thank you for listening to Papercut Podcast, bringing you evocative interviews with local creatives every week from hometown heroes to hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place to see live music in Winnipeg for over 30 years. Welcome to Papercut Podcast and our Quick Cuts series. My name is Sherry Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelcheck. We're here with Eric Olick. Please tell us a bit about what you've been up to lately since we've talked to you. Yeah, so uh, just quick, if anybody hasn't heard uh, or heard the first podcast we did, um, at the time we were doing a clothing store slash uh, running our brand Friday nights and a couple other things. Uh, we've since moved out of our store. We've stopped selling sneakers. Uh, we've stopped opening our doors from uh, 10 to 7 every day, and we've dialed it right back. It's, uh, it's kind of been an interesting experiment uh, going from having a storefront every day uh, to, to now we have a 3,000 square foot studio space that we share with some other creatives and yeah, just pumping out clothes, doing art, uh, and yeah, lost in the COVID, COVID-19, just uh, trying to be creative and get through. Yeah. What did you do with like all that. those uh, shoes? Where'd they go? Uh, we sold most of them and then uh, sent some back to their respective owners. A bunch of them were mine. Um, I'd accumulated quite a few pairs in our three years over there that, you know, some sat, some went, and then I just, let's cash So up. they're out there. You weren't stuck with uh, like a shoe closet, like a shoe room at home? Funny, we have a shoe. I do have a shoe room at home, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, we... We have a shoe safe at the studio, so um, it's our, our spots in this big heritage building on Donald Street. And as a lot of people know, there's so many like old safes. Like it seems like every bank in Winnipeg was once a, or every building in Winnipeg was once a bank. Um, so our our safe is this giant vault in our new space is uh, filled with the sneakers that we still have that people still haven't picked up, uh, or the couple pairs that are still mine. So we do have a room full of shoes, uh, and it's quite well fortified. Nice. 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 So, yeah. um, is like, is that something you're going to be able to continue in the new studio space at some point? Um, is that uh, something you, you know, want to continue? No, it was fun. Like I've always been, like I've always had a passion for sneakers. Um, I've always like had more than 30 pairs, 30 pairs of shoes at a time. And, uh, it was a cool experiment, but I, I definitely prefer it more as a, more of a hobby for me. Um, I was spending a lot of time on finding finding shoes, negotiating prices, keeping up on the prices because they have their own stock market essentially. Um, and it just started to take away from the brand really. Like people would come into our shop and be like, oh, look at this house brand, you know what I mean? Or they'd like start associating us as a sneaker shop and not like uh, as the brand that we spent the last you know, decade building. So right. it was uh, for me, like energy in the wrong place at the end of the day. Totally. That's fair. Um, Speaking of energy in the wrong places, the city of Winnipeg coming at you. How did you, uh, how'd you like that? We have to talk I about that. <laughs> I haven't talked about that on a podcast yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over for the, I guess it's all said and done. Uh, nothing really came out of it. You know, we got a cease and desist uh, notice for a hoodie that we created in uh, well, fall of last year. And everybody wanted this hoodie before. Uh, they became illegal to make. And now that I really am not allowed to make them uh, under threat of litigation, I everybody really wants one now. And I'm yeah. 
I really uh, want one. That's going to be like your, uh, that's going to be like a special auction. It's going to like come up one day and they'll be like, oh my God, it's one of those hoodies. <laughs> I have one so, left. It's got a tear in it and that's it. Um, yeah. I, if I ever feel like getting sued again, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put, out a, put out a round of them. I don't know. It was a cool experience, I guess. And we got uh, a lot of eyes on us for a short period of time. Yeah. That's like media, you know, people talk about it for a week and then forgot. And Not really us. Go, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, from a business end, though, in that short period of time where you were seeing a lot of exposure, was that translating into a lot more sales? Were people buying other stuff as a result? Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it gave us like a platform to kind of talk about our brand and our tumultuous relationship with the city over the past like year. Uh, just when it's come to, you know, how that our their lack of communication with us as business owners kind of resulted in a decline of an entire neighborhood. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we sold a ton of, we put, printed the cease and desist, they sent us on a t-shirt. And, uh, I think we sold like 75 of those like right away. It was ridiculous. Um, so I still see people walking around with this like letter and we uh, redacted it. So we blacked out all the names and stuff like that. And uh, They can't come at us for that one. So. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit quickly about what uh, I think maybe this is a little less on the media and more on your personal Facebook page, but like what uh, like streetwear is and what the qualifications are for printing something uh, that resembles another brand. You know, I tried to talk about this in the media and it was one thing that got like kind of shut out of every interview that I did. Um, but which I think is one of the most interesting parts of it. Uh, I mean, the media likes to paint a picture, right? And I got friends right. in the media, no hate there, but like at the end of the day, sometimes it's the actual company or someone's boss, like their editor, who's telling them what narrative they have to pursue. Um, for as far as like infringement, I still believe we're within our rights. Like, um, you hear a lot about this 20% rule, like you have to change your graphic 20%. That's a complete and total myth. But as far as like in apparel and, uh, I guess replicating or like for me, it's more of like a remix or homage to like a logo. Uh, it's like a trend in streetwear, right? Like flips have been around and they've been like a mainstay in the streetwear culture, like ever since like Supreme started out in 94. Um, so that's something that like has always been a part of our brand. And it's also because our brand's so rooted in hip hop that wordplay has always, you know, been a big thing for me when designing. Cause I, I love rap so much um, that, I would always try to work like wordplay and clever like flips and remixes into designs and that's kind of what leads to these kind of products. Um, now the, the actual law is uh, something like I'm not allowed to, let's use the wind hoodie as an example, but if I was passing it off as city of Winnipeg merchandise or pretending to be the city of Winnipeg, which I was not doing. Um, and the other thing is I'm not allowed to uh, defame uh, the city of Winnipeg in any way. Uh, neither of which I did. So I actually big up the city. There's no slander. There's no, uh, you know, me trying to pass off as their brand. And those are the kind of two big qualifications under uh, parody law or satire, um, which I believe my design falls under. I didn't go to legal counsel, but I, uh, you know, I've, I've read about this for years and years and years. So when you were moving forward with the cease and desist, did you need to consult someone to, to see if you could do that? And and how did that come about? I didn't because like, uh, you know, I, I left the ball in the city's court. Um, I had reached out to a few like, uh, 
more connected people that, that I know throughout Winnipeg that put me in touch with some people at City Hall um, as opposed to like going through, you know, 311 or however it goes, right? So like we got a hold of the right people at City Hall. Um, three or four emails were sent to kind of like uh, key players like surrounding the mayor and um, uh, the city's like branding and stuff like that and tried to see what we could do. We told them that we had a very strong demand for these sweaters and that we wanted to make like 200 more and just sell them and donate all the proceeds to the Main Street Project. Uh, and they declined us. Um, they said, you know, like noble effort, but sorry, no thanks. Um, which was super unfortunate. But after that, like I wasn't going to release the hoodies uh, and try to, I guess, instigate anymore. And I also didn't want to like, be the guy in the news or be the guy who's like, I was already getting people on the street. Like, Oh, that's the guy with the hoodie. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, I also do a bunch of other shit. So like, yeah. let's just keep, let's just keep it moving on to the next thing. Bigger fish to fry. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Actually, Sorry. Go the mayor ahead. Actually unfollow- the mayor actually unfollowed me on Instagram also. So I mean, game over. Yeah. Damn. Wow. You burned a very important bridge. <laughs> you burned the Bowman bridge. Yeah, I do have the cease and desist framed in my studio next to uh, a letter I received from Bowman commending me on uh, my efforts in the past. So it's kind of uh, kind of funny. <laughs> Catch yeah. 22. Cease and desist are scary. That's like a lot of like, I mean, they're intended to scare you, right? Like that's just like the only purpose of the document. And it's really, I think, commendable that you stood by your guns and like did what you thought was right and important in this like process right yeah intimidation tactic for sure Um, yeah and like now i mean if anybody gets that type of message in the future you let an example of what's possible and what's not which i think is pretty cool when it comes to people in power trying to like instill fear in folks you know yeah thank you i honestly the big joke around it was um you know i'd reached out to the city uh multiple times beforehand just in regards to like uh, a few different things be it construction or um, parking or bike lanes or anything like that. But anyways, it it took them weeks and weeks and weeks to get back. But I had three days to respond to a cease and desist. Uh, They gave me three days, they said, before they'd take me to election. It's like, when is the last time the city of Winnipeg did anything in three days? (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about that, actually, because leading up to you leaving the storefront, um, Yeah. There was a lot of construction, uh, a lot of work. Exchange was becoming a little bit less accessible. So now that you're in a studio, um, how, what's the feeling like now? Oh man, it's great. Like it's, uh, we've always had a communal energy to any space that we've occupied, um, but it we have so much more room now. And I'm not standing behind a counter. Uh, you know, I, I love like seeing and interacting with our community, but I, I want to do it in more exciting ways. And that's kind of uh, why we launched our hip hop karaoke night. We're, you know, trying to do uh, a lot more different types of meaningful activations surrounding product releases in this new space, uh, as well as a lot of like our own creating and stepping away from a daily storefront has kind of allowed us to just be more hands on and work on the brand instead of in the brand, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. Um, so it's great. A lot more room. Uh, we're still kind of nestled just outside the exchange district on Donald. So I think in the summertime, you know, post COVID, we might, uh, like we're still going to have a couple open studio days. People can come see what we're working on. We're still on a first floor, which is super accessible. Um, 
yeah, honestly, there's not a lot of downside to, to moving off of McDermott. Yeah, it's fantastic. And now you, you share a space with a lot more people now. So is that changing your creative? I mean, I guess with everything affected, everyone might not be in the studio as often, but um, are you seeing that change your creative uh, process being surrounded by all those people? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I see people every day still. Like, And the thing is, before we had probably one third the space and there was always like five or six people there anyway. So now we just got more room and like basically it's just me and Pete there every day at, at the moment. And I'm used to seeing him every day anyway. Uh, so yeah, not a big change. It is nice having like three kind of cubicle spaces in the back uh, of the space, which is like one's mine, one Pete's, uh, one's Feta's. And we each kind of have space to do our own thing as well as shared space to, to, do collaborative stuff or stuff for the community. So, yeah. I want to talk a bit about hip hop karaoke. That was your project or is that a collab? Yeah. Uh, yeah, as well, something I, uh, that I kind of pioneered from Victoria, BC. Um, these guys out there were doing this crazy hip hop karaoke jam for years. I probably went to one like five years ago and it was incredible. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I tried to sign up. They told me I couldn't, it was full. Um, and I just happened to be there for two days and a buddy told me to go check it out. Um, mm -hmm. so I thought about trying to kickstart something like that in Winnipeg for a while. And then, uh, one day I was sitting at Gary street coffee and my buddy Feta looked at me and he's like, well, let's just do one at the coffee shop. And he was super gung ho about it. So I was like, okay, like help me out then let's, let's make it happen. And so, uh, the two of us really started pushing towards it. And then, uh, my homies, Steve and Tony came on board. So Steve, uh, goes by BBS. He, DJ, he's kind of like our DJ for every single one. Um, so yeah, there's like four of us who kind of really run the event and it took off. Like, you know, it was just as I'd expected it to be, but when we finally pulled the trigger, it was uh, pretty crazy how quick it became something. Yeah. And it's a little bit different than different carry or uh, than other major sense, right? It's the fact yeah, that there's no lyrics on the board. Yeah, no right? screen. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, it's I, cool. I have a follow-up question. Who uh, takes the creative lead in the commercials that you guys are making? Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, so we do a commercial. Uh, we try to do a commercial for every one since, uh, like, I think since number five is when we did our first one. And, um, it's so much fun, but it's a, it's a collaborative effort, really, kind of like uh, I put together, like, a loose script of how everything should go. And then uh, Fed is usually the main guy on camera, so we'll uh, – all kind of stand off to the side and like shout rap lyrics at him and he'll just try to make jokes out of rap lyrics as fast as he can uh <laughs> and then uh the guys at nasty that's still in the valley taylor richie sky spence uh they shoot and edit everything um so yeah it's kind of a mixed effort there's like six or seven of us who work on everything all together and uh yeah a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen yeah i want to bounce back to my to where i was going before with the no lyrics thing about is that this a decision based on because Victoria didn't have lyrics? Like the, the event in Victoria yeah. didn't have lyrics? Yeah, they didn't have lyrics. Uh, I think there's like a, there was an HHK that originated out of New York City that uh, didn't do lyrics. I think they were kind of like the first to do it like that. And we just wanted to honor like the original format in the best way that we could. But also it brings such a real energy to the crowd. Like, you know, we have had people go up and look at their phone and that's totally cool like you want to get out there and like get your practice runs in uh 
again, it's a super supportive crowd, but you can really tell the difference when somebody kind of steps up and is practiced for, you know, a week or two and just has it down and the, the crowd really responds well to the energy. And is there a bit of a, so if somebody messes up, then what happens? Oh man, it's like, I choked the last two. <laughs> oh no. Um, what were you saying? Oh, yeah. What were no, you? It's fine. I did. Uh, last time I did Hip Hop by Joel Ortiz, the time before that I did uh, uh, No Role Models by J. Cole. And I choked both times, second verse. Um, it's like once you start thinking you're going to fuck up, you fuck up. But the crowd, like for me, like I'm one of the hosts, like me and Feta co-host the event. So I just kind of pick up the mic and, and laugh at myself. And it's, it's easy for me to brush it off and go get a drink and call the next person up. Um, but we've had people like choke and the crowd has like cheered, cheered them on. Uh, you know, Steve will like spin the wheel back and like start the song, uh, from the point where they messed up at and they'll keep going. Like, I don't think, uh, there's very rare that anyone's ever choked and not finished their song. I think just me. (laughs) I just imagine it being like uh, a pack of dogs. Like as soon as you mess up, just being like loser. (laughs) No, like take that and flip that on it flip that on its head it's the most supportive crowd ever like that's uh, awesome that's awesome i think i've never been to an event where like and you know anytime someone's up people are screaming and hugging and cheering and like um there's like we have regulars everybody knows who, who our regulars are you know andy gold felicia like the people who come out and do like a track every single time and nail it you know um nice. so there's like definitely crowd favorites and uh the stuff not to miss Nice. That's awesome. Because this is a quick cut, we got to wrap it up, but I've got one more question. Uh, Liv, do you have one as well? You go for it. You got this. Okay. Uh, What's one song that you'd like to do for hip hop karaoke, but uh, like you, you need a lot of practice before you can do it. Mm, Big L Ebonics. He kind of just breaks down hip hop lingo. I'm sure. I don't know if you're familiar with the song, but it's one of my all time favorites. I know Big L. Uh, I don't know if I'm familiar with the song, though. Okay, check it out. Ebonics, man. He just kind of breaks down hip-hop slang, and it's. Uh, I, I would definitely need a lot of practice before I could bust it out. I kind of know a few of the words here and there, so I can tie it together in the shower, but couldn't do it in front of the... <laughs> I, I choke three times in a row. So. What, uh, which song would you do, Liv? I would do, I would do like, Missy Elliott, like... Is it worth it? Let me work it. Yeah, but then at that okay. part that she does it backwards, I'd like give the mic to somebody. Or do the crowd. Like, Could you do I the crowd But then reverse it. And then I put the mic at the crowd and then yeah. the crowd would have to go like. Yeah, I mean, somebody would probably know it. Uh, yeah, I just want someone else to do the reverse part because I just don't want to do it. You okay. know what I mean? But that would be the one that I would go for. What do you got, Jared? Um, I was going to say uh, Outcast and probably Roses because it's a, it's a fun song yeah, to sing. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? One. We just got to go. When, this, we'll when this is all up and done with, we're going to be there. Yeah. The second I can have more than 50 people or more than 10 people for that matter in a room, we'll be back at it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. We really appreciate uh, the chat today. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, Thanks for having oh. me. And uh, thank you. Thank you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with, with us, us on Paper, Paper Cut, Cut Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.